We, uh, Luke and I have a history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told him to hold it to 25 minutes, and so we still have a few minutes. But I think uh, uh, the idea of just being real as a body of Christ is a big deal, don't you? And, and the fact, uh, like Emily said, that this is a place where you can be real is a big deal. So I, I was thinking as Luke was talking about his frustration with God, it reminded me of like the Psalms and how... Um, how God uh, was there even when David was not pleased with him, right? So I, I was thinking about Luke and my friendship over the years. We've had we've had, <laughs> we've we've had quite a uh, time. And uh, when you were talking, I was thinking there was a day we were sitting in a Hardee's in Fishers, and you remember that? I don't know. If, yeah, we had been hanging out at Fishers at the Fishers Hardee's for a while, and um, Luke said something to me, and and it. Uh, kind of stirred me. He said, can I ask you a question? I don't know if you remember this question. This thing, am I messing this thing up, Danny, or is it better? <laughs> right. And he said, did did this, it, it seems easy, doesn't it? He said, did, this, did the Spirit of God cause you to have breakfast with me? I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah. And And I said, that's the only reason we're hanging out here. And that was after probably four or five years that we just were frustrated with one another. And and so the idea that Christ works and lives in us is a big deal, I think, that that he can change our attitudes, he can change our situation. And that, like, I love Luke and, and the friendship that we have couldn't be where it is today without Jesus, right? Yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to say that while Luke was up here because he just stirred my soul while I was watching and listening to what he had to say. So that's the deal you have here. Thanks, my friend. I may have to use a regular microphone if I keep malfunctioning this thing, Danny. Any Boy Scouts in the room? No? No former Boy Scouts? Back in the day, I would go camping when I was a Boy Scout, and it, it, was, um, it was a constant thing that we generally didn't get to the campsite until after the sun had set. And setting up a tent in the dark in the day was, um, was quite a challenge. It um, just trying to operate a tent. And then once you got the tent set up, you lived in that tent, right? Like that's what you did when the lights would go out while you were camping. You would live in that tent. And that tent, though, was just your temporary housing. It wasn't a very effective house compared to maybe where I went back to on that Sunday evening, but it was my temporary house and. And, and the functionality of putting a tent together back in the day was a mess. Like, I, I know that the modern tents have, like, these things that un, they spring open, and then it's just a matter of connecting a few things. But back in the day, there were these poles that you had to connect, and maybe they were in the pack, or maybe they weren't in the pack, and your tent just had all these problems. And that was kind of the experience of camping, that temporary weekend getaway that I did during Boy Scouts. And 
I think that's a great picture for the idea that um, we go through in this journey. I just have an urgent matter I wanted to bring to your attention today. That you are a three-part being. You are body, soul, and spirit. You heard this before from somebody? Red-headed guy with flat top, maybe. (laughs) And that body is just like that tent that I went camping in all these years ago. Right? It was a temporary location. It wasn't a very effective location. It was a temporary one for which I place myself on those weekend trips. Your body is a temporary location where you reside. That's the urgent message. You reside in your body. Your body is not you. And you're only going to get about 70 or 80 years to reside in that body. That's what Psalm 9010 says. So, so what happens inside that body is your expression of God within you to the world. I don't know if that makes any sense to you or not. What you do with this body expresses God to the world. So my urgent point to you is that a merciful God only gave you 70 or 80 years in this body to express him to the world. And when you allow that spirit in you, in the tent, to express yourself to the world... That's what the Bible calls worship. And in order to do that, in order to allow you to express yourself to the world through this tent, you have to stop listening to the world. Stop conforming to the world, but be transformed, be changed in the way you think by setting your mind on things that are godly. That is what worship is. That's when you'll begin to think more clearly. But as you focus on the things of this world, it distracts you from who you really are inside that tent. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2 right there, in case you've never heard those verses. That's basically what it says, is you're temporarily hanging out in this tent, you who are holy, righteous, and renewed, just like Luke told you, are operating this body. This body does not define you. You define to the world who you really are imperfectly in this body. This body is flawed and doesn't allow you to express yourself perfectly to the world. Do you ever know that? Like, have you had these thoughts inside of you you wanted to get out, but you just can't get them out? Can't tell somebody that you love them, like Luke or whatever? That's because this body has these these systems in it that work against who we truly are. And consequently, it's hard to express to the world who we are. It's hard to worship God and force this body to be who we really are. But there's hope. That's why we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? Deuteronomy 30 is a really interesting section of scripture. I started seeing this. I gotta, I'm going to have to do like a glasses switch here so I can see you and read here at the same time. Probably bifocus would be a good idea. I don't know. Uh, any of you guys use the uh, paper version of the Bibles anymore, or do you guys all use uh, electronic version? Let's see who, raise your hand if you use a paper Bible. 
Okay. Still a few old timers in here. So in the middle of my columns on my Bible, there's little verse references on there. And then there'll be a number by some of the words in there. I don't know if you see that in your Bible or not. But in Deuteronomy 30, there are several examples of that going on in the middle. And it it's always tied, or a lot of them are tied to the word obey. You know that word obey? Have you, have you thought much about that word? In Deuteronomy 30, most every occurrence of the word obey means listen to the voice of. So it says, listen to the voice of God is what it's saying, even to the Old Testament nation of Israel. And so that's what I wanted to point out a contrast between what I just showed you in Romans 12, 1 and 2 and what the nation of Israel did. A lot of times what the nation of Israel was doing paints a picture of what this body tries to do. Does that make sense? The the nation of Israel would rebel constantly against God. I mean, it happened over and over and over again, and yet God was merciful to the nation of Israel. And so in Romans 30, I mean, excuse me, Deuteronomy 30, it says, uh, Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, it's, and um, this is Moses that's uh, pointing this out. He says, I called a heaven and earth to witness against you today. And God, he's saying what God told him. I called a heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God and obeying his voice, listening to his voice. What about that? He called heaven and earth to testify about the witness of whether they're going to choose to live or not. So he goes on in the next chapter and he says, be strong and courageous. When he says choose life, what do you think he's talking about? Choose life. Matt, what do you think he's talking about? Choose life. Says, I've set life and death before you. Choose what you want. And when he says choose life, what does life mean? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Is that what you all think? Like if you hear the word life, what does that word mean to you? This is, this is, anybody wants to offer an idea. Like when I say choose life, Luke? There's life in choosing God and his will and his way. Okay. Because the word life can mean a lot of things, can it? Have you, it's a little word. I asked a few people yesterday what they thought when I said the word life. Somebody thought of the game of life. Anybody in here played the game of life before? Spin the dial, get a few kids, a dog. I don't, they've changed it recently. I don't know what all you get now. But, but the end, when you, when you think of life that way, right, it, it's a sequential time-limited thing. Does that make sense? So, so you have these 
period, this period of time, I'm just going to keep moving forward through this period of time. And I think when you hear the word life in that manner, it's talking about this tent, right? This tent has a finite period of time on it. And, and then when the, when Jesus said, I came that you might have life in John 10, 10, do you suppose he was talking about that you might have 70 or 80 years inside this tent? Do you think that's what he was talking about? I'm, I'm just throwing out these kind of rhetorical questions to you because as you as you read the scripture and you see words in there, I just want you to stop and think, what does that word really mean? Because that word life is all through the Bible. It is in there. If you do a word search on the word life, it's probably in there maybe as much as the word Jesus. I don't know. I, I didn't compare it, but it's in there a lot. And so if somebody tells you, get a life, what do you suppose they're saying? Have you heard, am I the only one that's heard that phrase? Mike, what's it mean, get a life? Stay out of my business? Stay out of my business? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when God said, I've set life and death before you to the nation of Israel, he's saying, I've given you a choice. Luke was talking about, you have a choice. Life and death. I've set it before you. What are you going to do with this thing? And so as you're thinking about it, as you're thinking about how does one go about life, I would think spending time considering the apostles' teaching is a good place to start. The book of Acts says that the early church spent their time hanging out, eating together, praying together, singing together, and studying the apostles' teachings. So the apostles' teachings basically start right after the book of Acts in your Bible and go towards the end of the Bible. It's, it's, it's really, if, you, if you've not personally taken a lot of time to study the Bible, it's a little thin section of the Bible. You probably read it in three or four hours, is the whole thing in three or four hours. And so studying the apostles' teachings is a good place to begin to understand what life beyond just years is. It, it tells you, how do you operate this tent? How do I operate this Bible, this body, so that it might express the life of God to the world around us? It's a big deal. It's huge. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so he's, he's, when he said that, he risked his life. Like, he risked his physical life because the Pharisees were ready to kill him when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not only did he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. Can you imagine the arrogance that they thought about him when he said that? That I am the life. And then, um, in Acts 5.20, the apostles all got put in jail in that section there. And they got released because God just released them, basically. A <laughs> big turmoil in the jail, and he released them. And he told them, go and speak to the people the whole message of this life. This life. Capital L. 
there's something besides the sequence of the amount of time that we're in this tent. There's something bigger and more than anybody can imagine. And he said, go tell them about it. Go out and tell them about this life. Uh, Luke mentioned in Colossians 3 earlier, he said, uh, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then the next verse says, Christ is our life. Christ is our life. And it's something I don't even know that I'll ever know the magnitude of what it means that Christ is my life. That one day in eternity past, the Trinity is sitting at a coffee table, maybe a brew pub, I don't know where they were sitting, but they said, let's create something and we'll call them humans, right? And we're going to make them in our image. We're going to make the first one Adam and Eve. They uh, screwed that situation up. Luke was pointing fingers at who screwed it up. I don't necessarily agree with Luke, but they screwed that thing up. And then while they were having that time at that coffee table, they said, what, what do we do now? How, how, how is this thing going to happen? How are these people going to ever know what life is? And then Jesus raised his hand. He said, I'll go show them. I will take up the form of a body. I'll go down there and walk around and show them what life really looks like. And the other two are like, no way, you can't do that. That is, what what you're recommending to do is so ridiculous that it's not necessary. We could just, we could just vaporize the whole thing and hit the reset and do this thing again because we're God, right? But they're like, no, I'm going to go down there, take on a body, and I'm going to walk on that planet and show them life. It's not going to be this thing that's way out there. I'm going to show them what life is, and I'll do that because I love you two, the Spirit and the Father. And so that's what happened. Life came down here to show us that life exists. It exists in a form that's not limited by time. When the Bible says eternal life it's not a quantity of time of life. It's a sort of life. It's God's sort of life. And that's what he said. I came that you might have the same life that I have. I have an abundant life, and you will have that too, if only you trust in me. And that's what happened when Jesus came down here. John 5.24 said, those of us who believe in Jesus pass out of death and into life. So here's the deal. This tent that we have because of Adam, it is passing from life to death. In case you haven't figured that out. It's got this temporary thing and it's passing from life to death. But the person who resides inside this tent, the moment I trusted in Christ, my inner person passed from death to life. There is no more life than what I already have. I have 100% of the life that's available. It dwells in me. God's spirit united with my spirit the moment I trusted in him. So the operator of this tent, me, is never going to be any different than I am today. The only difference is going to happen is one day, this tent 
will cease using oxygen. It'll part ways from me, and I'll no longer see the world in the troubled way that I did because I'm not going to be bothered by this tent anymore. I won't. My spirit soul is perfect. It's not going to change. The day that this body quits, it just means I don't have to fight with this thing anymore. And, and so that's what's going on. It's, it's our, our body is going one way. Our spirit has already crossed over into life. Galatians 20, 2.20 says, I, I no longer live. Who I was before I, cr- I trusted Christ no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. He united with me the inner person, and the life that I now live, I live by faith. So this thing called life that isn't an amount of time, but it's a way of operating, is done by faith, is what the Bible teaches. That I can't see what's going to happen tomorrow. I just trust the one that's got me. I trust him today and tomorrow and the days beyond. And that's how life operates. John 17, 3 said, this is eternal life. You know what it is? This is eternal life that you may know the one true God. It's not doing anything. It's just knowing. This is eternal life that you know God. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 <laughs> The first Adam became a life, a living soul. The last Adam, as Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. The spirit that you have is the same one that was involved in the creation of the universe. I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible teaches. This is who you are. You're connected to the God of the universe, and he wants to express his love, affection, and connection with you through this tent that you have. And he'll do it in amazing ways. It'll look different for all of us. We all have unique personalities and how we can express it. It's going to be different. And I encourage you to be you and to express the God of the universe to those in your circle because they need to see life. Life will change those in your circle. Transform them from death to life. Second Corinthians three six says the letter kills. The letter is rules. The letter of the law is what it's referring to. The letter of rules kills is what it says. But the spirit gives life. The way you operate this body is not by rules, it's by faith. It's by faith in the living God that can create amazing things, can solve problems that you can't even begin to think through, can solve problems from things that don't even exist today. Have you ever had that happen before? Have you had a problem or a situation and the solution of it came from something that never existed before? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's the God of the universe. He creates solutions. And to believe that way is life. To believe that he's going to bring a solution to this situation is life. Because that's what he is. He's the creator of all good things for us. 
I just want to be a cheerleader for you guys today. I want you to know when you get your tent out and you open it up and you're operating that thing that you have life. You have this abundant life, this fulfilling life, this infinite life of God, and it's disguised by these bodies, right? Luke was talking about how he acts in the football game sometimes, and and that's not Luke. That's this, him trying to express himself through this body that's hardwired, right? And, and my, my things, you know, if you get me, uh, we, we, I talked about packing or setting up a tent in the dark. If you ever get to see me drive my RV in the dark, it probably looks a lot like that. I've run over so many things with that RV in the dark, and, and I, it, it's just an, an impressive situation. And so you wouldn't think that life resided in Keith when I was trying to park that RV in the dark, but he, he does. He does. Even when I'm scraping it along the side of things, Christ is there. Even when I respond to it in, in ways that would be surprising, he's there. That's the same God. It's the one. That's real life. That's why I said, hang up, stay up here for a little bit, Luke, because we went through, we go through real life, right? We, we go through challenges and it doesn't change who I am. It's just us trying to operate these tents and communicate to each other in a way that expresses the true us. I want to finish with this verse and then, um, uh, then I'll close this in a word of prayer. And then you guys can hang out and enjoy each other's tents as long as you want. Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 10 says, We have this treasure in this earthen vessel, so that the surpassing greatness of the, of the power will be God and not us. And it says we are always caring about in the body, this body, the dying of Christ, so that the life of Jesus may be displayed in our bodies. Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. The life that we have is not a time set. It's the God of the universe dwelling inside this tent. And just let that show and shine, not only today, but every day. Trust him, even when you wrap that RV around a pole or something like that. Father, thanks for the time we got to hang out today. Thanks that you are life, that you care so much for us, that you give us each day to express you to this world for which we live. We just thank you for the challenges that you give us, because those challenges allow us to trust you, to see you work, to see your miraculous power to bring solutions to the problems in our lives, and to develop our character for which we can trust you more and more in the future, knowing that you have brought us through the challenges of the past and that you'll take us through those of today and tomorrow. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, y'all.